Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray. Father and our God, we do humble ourselves before you to say thank you for yet another day of life, to thank you for another opportunity to be gathered in your house. Father, I just pray for your continued guidance throughout our service this morning. I pray that you would just guide my words, Father, that everything that comes out of my mouth would be of your desire and not my own. Father, we just ask for you to be with those that are traveling today. I ask that you get those back safely. I ask you to be with those that are sick this morning. I just ask, Father, for your um, hand to be upon them, for them to be allowed to feel your, your presence um, in their current situation. Father, we thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. A lot of, um, th I'll tell you that this, this message comes from a, 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 a different source, so to speak, so it'll be, it'll be different this morning. Um, <coughs> this is something that God has put together in front of me through different things that I've been doing as of late. And one of those, of course, is our, our marriage class, um, our small group that we hold on uh, Monday night. So for the folks that are in there, some of this will be familiar to you. Um, for those of you that are going on the marriage retreat with us, um, you'll hear some of this again. But this morning, I'm not going to use it specifically to marriage because it covers a whole lot of things. One of the, the biggest misconceptions among ourselves uh, in today's society is that our greatest need is for someone to love us. A lot of people believe that their greatest need is to be loved. I'm getting them looks. That's what I thought I'd get. But I'm going to show you this morning that your greatest need is not to be loved. Your greatest need is actually the opposite of that. Your greatest need is to learn how to love. Because what happens is, is we get focused on looking for somebody to love us and they cannot fulfill our standard. We're looking for somebody that unfailingly loves, faithfully loves, don't look at our wrongs. Yet when, we make, when they make a wrong, we want to point at it, right? So their, their love kind of fades a little and we get disappointed. Your greatest need is not to be loved. And I'm, I'm going to explain that shortly. But I promise you that when we get done this morning, you'll have an understanding of why I can say and you can say that your greatest need is not to be loved. And this applies to any relationship. This replies to your relationship between you and God. This applies to your relationship with your children, your spouse, your co-workers. If you want to make a difference in your home, in your community, in your culture, 
Listen to me this morning. If we can learn this and we can grasp this, we can completely change the way everything looks in society today. It's got to start somewhere. May as well start with me and that guy I shave with. Right? If I'm unhappy with what's going on around me, let the change start with me. If I'd spend as much time concentrating on what I can do to make a change as I do complaining about the need for the change, maybe things would change. Right? So listen to me. If you want to see that kind of change in your world, if you want to know as a single person what to be looking for, if you want to know in, as a married person what can I do to improve things, if you want to know as a brother or a sister what can I do to improve things, if you want to know, know what to do just as an individual, how I can change the world around me, listen to me. God gives us very distinct instructions. We just got to apply them. That's the hard part. See, digging this stuff up isn't as difficult as going out and walking in it. Right? So we can, we can find it this morning, but it's going to depend on you to go out and apply it wherever it is that you want to see the change. You can make great improvements by applying what you're going to learn this morning. The first thing you need to understand, your greatest need is not to be loved. That's not your greatest need. And I'll show that to you shortly. Look at Matthew chapter 22, 34 to 40 again. Listen, here, normally I have a central place that we keep flipping back to. This morning we won't do that. We're, we're going to talk about this and we're going to move to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So don't worry about holding your place. If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to flip to these places with me. If you don't, then uh, Riley, uh, Riley's going to have these things up on the screen for us. Pay close attention. Take some notes. Mark down where I got this stuff from so you can go back and read it and make sure I'm not taking it out of context or I'm not changing things to fit what I'm trying to say. Okay? Y'all bear with me as we go through this. Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. I want to give you just a little bit of background on this particular verse. Um, if you were to go back to verse 33, um, you'd see... Uh, not verse 33, I'm sorry. Back to verse 23... You would see the uh, Sadducees are asking about the resurrection and Christ is giving them an answer. And where we pick it up, it, it starts with, but when the Pharisees heard that He silenced the Sadducees, then they had to have their turn. And what they're trying to do is get Christ tripped up and stumbled. Remember, this is a group of people that's wanting to see Him murdered. They're trying to get rid of this guy. He's teaching against everything they've ever taught and it's, it's hurting their feelings and they want Him gone. Alright, so they're trying to capture him into these things and they're trying to rope him into these things. And what they're trying to really do is take Old Testament Scriptures, the law as they knew it then, and, and, and get him to say something that's anti what those Scriptures say. That's what they want to do. So they've asked him about the res resurrection and he's, he's answered that. Now the Pharisees step up They've heard that the Sadducees have been silenced and they have a question themselves. Look at this. They gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. You shall... Uh, uh, he says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And, and he's wanting Christ... What they're trying to do is get Christ 
to, to, to pinpoint something that they can then point at and go, see, he's not who he says he is. Because if he was the Son of God, he would know that there is no greatest commandment. They're all equal. According to the Scriptures, if you broke one, you broke them all. But what Christ did is He gave them some information they were not expecting and gave them an answer they were not expecting. And look at what He told them. Now, remember what He's been asked. What is the greatest commandment? What is the number one thing that I can do to please God? Here it is. He's going to tell us right here. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So the most important thing you can do, according to Christ, is love God with all you got in you. Heart, soul, and mind. You got that, right? That's the number one thing you can do to live a... Listen, you can forget about it all. You can, you can erase from your memory everything you've ever been told that you have to do in order to please God. If you'll just love Him with all you've got, all that other stuff, fall into place. Right? The next thing He does, He gives them two. They ask for one, He gives them two. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So love God with all you got. Do y'all remember the Ten Commandments? Do you remember that in the Ten Commandments there's two sections? The first section deals with your relationship with, and the second section deals with your relationship with others. What did Christ just give them? He just summed up. Look what He says. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. What is the law and the prophets? The Old Testament. What they were, what they were standing there trying to get him to, to trip over, he goes, you, everything in the law and the prophets, everything you've ever learned in Old Testament Scripture hangs on two things. If you can imagine this, a nail in the wall and, and a rope going down to this scroll hanging on the wall that says all the law and all the prophets. That's what's holding it up. Is love the God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. If either one of those two things are not done, what happens? It falls. And it don't just fall sideways because when you cut the rope on one side of the nail or the other, it's broken, it hits the floor. Everything in the Old Testament hinges on two things. Your ability to love God with all you got in you and love your neighbor as yourself. Your greatest need is not to be loved. Your greatest need is to love and to learn how to love. And hopefully we've created a new term by the time we live, leave here today and you'll have a desire to love Jesus style. We're going to look at what that looks like. But I want you to understand that when a lawyer, a Pharisee, came to Christ, Christ Himself, this didn't come from anybody else. This came straight from the mouth of Christ. When He was asked, what is the most important thing? What's the greatest commandment? He gave two answers. 
Love the Lord your God with all you got in you and love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, we can pick out things and look at things, but we can't find anywhere in Scripture where God says, if you do this, you, you can't get in. If you do this, you can't be forgiven. If you do this, you can't be accepted. But I can go and show you multiple times where God says in His Word through different people, starting with Christ, where He tells us to love people. Love people. Because what happens is, is when you love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself, and you really do it Jesus style, everything else falls into place. You don't have to worry about if you're keeping up with everything else or not. Because it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, the only way you can fulfill all of those things is to love God with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the only way it's possible. Without love, it doesn't work. And we'll get to that a little bit too, maybe. All right, now go to Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Now again, the author gives it, I'm going to give you a little background just to kind of help you see where we're at. Um, the author's talking about the new life and what it looks like and how, um, how you have to get away from the evil things and turn to the godly things. And in chapter 5, he starts off with, therefore. Meaning if you want to have that, if you want to do that, if you want to be what God desires for you to be, if you want to be this new creation, God has called for you to be as a follower of Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Now this, that statement says two things. First of all, it gives us a command to be imitators of God. Second of all, it calls us beloved children. That's going to be important here in a minute for you to remember that God referred to you as a beloved child of His. That's pretty important. Listen. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Walk in love. Live a life of love. Love Jesus style. Christ said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. The author of Ephesians says, be imitators of God and walk in love. See, do y'all remember when Christ showed us His love? When He died. What condition was I when Christ died for me? Was I a lover of Christ? Was I giving Him everything He needed in return for His love? No, according to the next scripture we're going to read in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, while you were yet... God died for us, Christ died for us, His love for us was when I was at my worst. So there can't, if you're going to love God's style, if you're going to love Jesus' style, if you're going to be an imitator of God and walk in love, it can't be no stipulations on it. 
You see what I'm saying? The reason all of that stuff is fulfilled when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and your neighbor as yourself is because you're doing it the way God did it. And the way God did it was He loved you when you was wretched. He loved you when you were unlovable. He loved you when you weren't doing anything in return. Listen to me just a second, husband and wives. You want to see a change in your marriage? You start loving your spouse without expectation. You start loving your spouse the way Christ loved you, expecting nothing in return. You're not doing it for the return. You're doing it because God called you to do it. And if you start loving like that in your household, I guarantee you things will change. I guarantee it. And I don't care how long it's been bad or how bad it is. If you will start to love your spouse unconditionally, sacrificially, remember Christ died for you. If you start to love them that way, not, not based on what I get back in return. I had a guy come to my house one time. For those of you that don't know, my wife and I do marriage counseling. So we've, we've had a lot of experiences in this. I had a guy come to my house one time. It's all broke. It's all tore up. It's all going down the tube. I need help. I said, okay, let's do it. I said, now remember, you came to my house asking for this because I'm fixing to unload on you with both barrels. It's going to be hard for you to be my friend when you leave here today after I get through with you. You understand that, right? Yes, but i got to do whatever it takes. I said, okay. And we had us about a couple of hours of me and him sitting on the back porch, and I just, I just told him the truth is what I did. And I said, if you really want to see your marriage fixed, you go home and start serving your wife. Just go home and serve. What does that mean? How do you serve your wife? Well, I mean, do some laundry, do some dishes, sweep a floor. Do anything you can do to show her that you love her besides tell her. Because telling her ain't working. Because you're telling her one thing and living out something else and she ain't listening to nothing you got to say from this day forward until you show her something different. About three days later, I get a text message. Brother, you ain't going to believe. And I'm reading going, yeah, I believe. I believe it because I gave you that information out of Scripture. Not because it's a great idea I had. You ain't going to believe how great this is. I mean, my wife is, we ain't been like this. And about two weeks later, I get another message from the wife. I don't know what you told him. About a week later, I get another message from him. I don't know what happened. It all, it all quit. I text him back. I know what happened. You quit. You got tired. You went in gung-ho and it was all fine for about three weeks and you run out. You stopped. And every time you stop, you're going to get this same. Listen, you're not doing this based on what you're getting in return. You're doing this based on the fact that God instructed you to do this. And it don't matter how they act. It don't matter what you get. Remember, Christ died for you when you were wretched. Go to Romans 5.8. You were wretched. You didn't deserve it. You did not love Him. You did not like Him. The world hated Him when He died for this world. They were sinners. They were hateful. They were evil. And He loved them to the point of death. Sacrificial love with nothing in return. When you begin to love Jesus style, you'll see a change in the world around you. 
Now hang on to me because we're going. some of y'all looking at me all cross-eyed because let me tell you, everything in Scripture has to be taught in proportion. There's a such thing as God's wrath just like there's a such thing as God's love. I'm not asking you to lay down and let people treat you however they want to treat you and you just got to love them and sing Kumbaya and be good with it. The Bible does not teach us that. And I'm not teaching you that this morning. But for right now, stay with me. You got to love folks Jesus style. You got to love them the way Jesus. And Jesus loved them when? But God shows His love for us. Remember, He done this out of love. God shows us His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ, there's no stipulations on God's love. He just loves. There's no stipulations on Christ's love. He just loves. That's, that's, that's what we're supposed to do, and that's the mindset we've got to have. And I'm telling you, it'll make a world of difference in where you live, in where you work, in where you go to school. But listen to me. You can't be sitting there going, if I do this, I'll get this. Because what's going to happen is you ain't going to get in return and you're going to quit and there ain't going to be no change. You've got to go into it with the mindset of God said. That's all that can matter to you. Is God said do it that way. Do you realize that the people Jesus loved hanged Him on a cross? Did He stop loving them because of that? Listen to me, that's the kind of love you've got to have. They were putting Him on the wood with spikes in His hands and feet as He loved them. Do you hear me? This is sacrificial love. This ain't, this ain't, this ain't uh, puppy love. This ain't infatuation with somebody. This ain't, I think I'm in love because He's the first one that ever called me by my middle name and it sounded so pretty. <laughs> it ain't that. It ain't that at all. This is sacrificial love. This is Christ being nailed to the cross physically while He loved them kind of love. You understand that, right? This ain't, this ain't what you think it is. Alright, this ain't... This, this, listen, this is actions. And I'm telling you, I promise you, you can't imagine the difference that'll take place wherever you apply this in whatever relationship we're talking about. When you start to look, they can't, they can't turn it down. It can't, it can't help but change them. They're either going to hit the door wide open or change. It's what God's love does to people. It either repulses them or it draws them. You've got to be serious about it. You'll get your feelings hurt trying to do this halfway. It'll, it'll tear you apart. Keep going with me. <clears throat> the reason that I tell you that your greatest need is not to be loved is because of this right here. God has already loved you in a way that nobody on this earth can ever measure up to. So as a Christian, accepting that love should fulfill that need in your life. I'm not telling you people don't need to be loved. They do need to be loved. But I'm telling you as a Christian, you've already experienced a love that is so fulfilling, you never have to go back. 
In other words, no matter, no matter what their response to you is, God's response is to love you. And all you are is a conduit for the things of God. As He pours them into you, you pour them out on others. And I'm talking about God's love, His mercy, His grace, His forgiveness. Huh? His forgiveness. Huh? Right, you don't want to hear that, do you? Because what you think of when you hear this is, is going through your mind ever since we got to this point is the people that roll through your mind that, man, that's going to be hard. You're right. In and of yourself, it's even impossible. But I'm telling you, this is world changing. Do you realize the impact that had on the world? Huh? Think about it. Just think. Just, just let that soak in. Meditate on that thought for just a moment. How much different is this world since that event? So how much impact will it have when I do with it what God intended for me to do with it to start with? He didn't die for my sins so I could hold in His love in my pocket so on the hard days I could get out some extra and sprinkle it on. Not how it works. He gave that to me so I can share it with the people around me. And I, I'm again, I'm talking about love Jesus style. Sacrificial. You want to see things change in your household? You want to see things change in your workplace? You want to see things change in your church? You want to see things change in your community? Love Jesus style. Jesus said everything in the law and the prophets depend on two things. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You don't have a need to be loved. You've already been loved. God loves you more than anything in this world. can, And He loves you in a way. So your greatest need is no longer to be loved. God's love should be enough for you if God really is enough for you. Right? So knowing that makes it possible for me to go out and love expecting nothing in return. I'm getting loved. Right? That's full in me from, from above. So your greatest need is no longer to be loved. Your greatest need is to learn how to love. That's your greatest need. That's my greatest need. Listen, if you can figure this out, if you can master two things, you can master all of the gospel. Now, I don't expect anybody to walk up to me and go, okay, Brother Nick, I got this and mastered. What's the next lesson? Look, it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing process. Um, I had a scripture reference for that, and I don't even think I wrote that down. So we'll have to go on and we'll find it later. Colossians 3.14. Colossians 3.14. Here's the instruction. Above all these... I'm going to turn there so I can show you a little something, I think. Well, 
we have been doing um, Bible drills in Awanas at one game time a month. Um, I think one of the classes, TNT does it more often than that. But as a whole, we've been doing this thing. So y'all going to get something different this year at Awanas Awards Day. It's my older generation of kids are not going to be up here quoting scriptures they've learned. We're going to be having Bible trivia, and, and, and part of that's finding things in the Bible. So I've been slipping in on some of the practice sessions because some of the kids are not as familiar with it as others are and just trying to lend a hand. Let me assure you something. I ain't as good as I thought I was. I ain't. Some of y'all think that's funny. Y'all was in the room, evidently. Colossians 3.14 Above all these things, if you go back to the first of chapter 3, the first verse in chapter 3, this is talking about putting on the new self. And you get a whole list of things that we have to avoid and a whole list of things we have to do. And then he goes with, in verse 14, above all these, above everything else, the most important thing you can do, listen to me, put on love. Look at what it does, which binds everything together. In perfect harmony. Put on. Clothe yourself with. Wrap up in. Some of y'all ladies will go home this afternoon after church, after your social stuff, and you'll crawl up on the couch and you'll kick your feet up and you'll grab that big old thick, furry, uh, I mean a blanket, and you'll, you'll wrap that thing around you and you'll sit over there like a, a dead gum taco, burrito. Huh? I'm talking to you, ain't it? Y'all think it. Right. Y'all think I've been. That's because it happens at my house. It happens in all our houses. And you'll wrap up in that thing. You'll be. Chris does that? No, it Calista. Don't say that. Now I'm embarrassed on Pope's behalf. And wrap up in that thing and just sit there and watch Hallmark or golf or whatever it is you watch. So you know what it's like to be clothed in something, to wrap up in it, to put on, to put on love. This don't, listen to me, this, this has a greater meaning than we sometimes read. If you just scratch the surface, this does, it's not talking about doing an act of kindness from, kindness from time to time. This isn't talking about doing a good deed from time to time. You see that, right? You see the verbiage, right? You see that he's talking about putting on love. You're clothed in it. You're wrapped up in it. This is a lifestyle of loving someone, not an event that takes place once in a blue moon so you can get what you want. This is not a love that expects something in return. God showed His love for you through the death of His only begotten Son while you were wretched. While you did not deserve it. 
He loved you. When I did not deserve it, He loved me. Not because of what I was going to do, not because of what He was going to get in return. It's a sacrificial love. Your greatest need is not to be loved. God does that. Your greatest need is to learn how to love. Keep going. 1 John 3.11 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. Listen, this has been the message from the beginning. This is not something new. 1 John 3, 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. It's what God's desired from us from the get-go. To love one another. It, it, it's, 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 it's nothing new. Keep going. 2 Thessalonians 1.3 Again, I don't expect somebody to come to me. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. I don't expect anybody to walk up to me and say, Okay, I've got this part mastered. What's next? This is an ongoing um, process of learning how to love. There's not, a, there's not a magic answer to how do I do this. There's not an a, um, umbrella statement that I can say, if you'll go do this, then you've got it. This is an ongoing process. Look at first, uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. Now this is the, the letter to the church, right? The, the Thessalonian church. The church at uh, Thalonica. There you go. See, y'all know more than I do. I knew there was people in here like it. They are Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica. Thessalonians. No doubt, Mr. Jack. This is to the Thessalonian church. How about that? So he's telling them we ought always to give thanks for you. He's talking about the people of the church, right? Brothers, as is right, listen, because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for one another is what? Increasing. Paul says, I ought to be thankful to God for you always because you're in the process. Look at this. Because your faith is growing. They ain't mastered it, right? It's growing abundantly. And your love for one another is increasing. This is a process. This isn't a snap your fingers and you've got it figured out in one. You want to make a difference in your household, you want to make a difference in your church, in your community, love Jesus style. Expecting nothing in return. Hear me. Don't, don't call me next week. Don't call. I tried it, Brother Nick, and he's just so hard-headed it didn't work. No, you didn't. No, you didn't do it right. You didn't use 
because I know that because it's a week later and you're calling me telling me you didn't see what you expected to see. You're not expecting anything, remember? This isn't about what you get in return. You're not loving based on the results. You're loving based on the fact God instructed you to. So there will never be a time when you can call me and say, well, it didn't work. Right? You see what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm... Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Listen, this this is great, big, huge, in-depth stuff. I'm telling you, this is world-changing stuff. I'm talking about that person in your family that you've never been able to get along with. I ain't saying you got to go cozy up to them and cook them dinner five nights a week. I'm saying you got to love them Jesus style, unconditionally. Love them. You can love people from afar. You realize that, right? Loving somebody doesn't mean you're 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 always up in their space. That ain't that ain't what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about you're clothed in love. You walk in love. You're living a life in love. So your first response to somebody isn't the disdain that you're really feeling because of your emotions inside. So what is my first response? I don't know. Depends on what God guides you to do. Not talking about an act of kindness once a week so you can feel better about yourself. I'm not talking about going home this evening and finishing out the laundry your wife slaved over the rest of the week so you can sit on the couch with your little gold ribbon going, I did a load of laundry. Did you see I did that? Did you see I did that? That ain't how it works. That ain't how this works. That's not what this is about. This is about a desire to serve driven by a desire to love driven by the fact that God loved you when you were undeserving. This isn't changing the way... This isn't modification of your behavior. That's not what this is. I'm not trying to modify your behavior. Trying to completely change the way you think and the way you act. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself according to Christ, are the two most important things you can possibly do. That ought to be motivation enough right there. But it's not. Why? Because we're broken. We're human. We live in a fallen creation. Right? So this isn't about an act here and there, or something to go along with. Now, again, I can't stand up here and preach all this on God's love without at least mentioning God's wrath. Because what happens is, is we get this image that we're supposed to go and sit around a campfire, kumbaya, and everybody just be, and the way you love somebody is just let them live whatever lifestyle they want to. That's not loving somebody. What that is, is making them comfortable as they walk into hell. See, wrong is still wrong. Evil still exists. Don't go into this imaginary mindset of this this place where the kumbayas and, and, the, and the patting our hands and singing and everybody just does what they want to and God's okay with it. That's not true. If that were true, there would be no such thing as God's wrath. God's wrath does exist. It does. See Noah. Alright? 
see Lot's wife, right? The list goes on. God's wrath does still exist today. So it's, it's sometimes loving somebody is telling them the truth. But with a heart of love and a desire of correction, not to tear them down. That's why it's important that you clothe yourself in love because this is a whole different you. This isn't you not doing things, it's you doing them in the right manner. It's, it's that part. See, what happens is when you start to love somebody the way Christ loves, your biggest concern becomes their well-being. Regardless of everything else. So if their well-being, their benefit means... We, we just had a conversation about rules in my household last week. Is that right? Was it last week? Where we sat down, we have at our house, we have what we call serious talk where everybody's, everybody's focused, all three members are present. We're not cutting up and laughing and giggling because I don't know if y'all know it or not, but there's a lot of cutting up, laughing and giggling takes place in my house. Even when Amanda's mad, I'm trying to make her madder, I guess. I don't know why I do it, but I, anyway. So we have to designate serious talk. And when we designate this is serious talk time, then all three gather in a spot and it's serious. And we're going to have serious conversation no cutting up and joking because we don't want it to be misconstrued amongst any of the three of us that this could just be lighthearted. It's not. It's serious. And we talked about the rules that are in place and why they're there. The reason that we have rules for you in our house is your benefit. It's not so we can prove to you that we can tell you what to do. It's not so we can restrict the amount of fun you have. It's not so that we can restrict the amount of life you experience. It's so that you can live your life to the absolute fullest and still be pleasing to God while you do that. That's why we have the rules. My goal is not to raise a good kid. My goal is to raise a godly adult. So all of my rules and all of her rules are based around trying to get out of that a godly adult. I need her to understand that. God needs you to understand that sometimes His love hurts. Sometimes, sometimes you have to tell somebody the truth because you love them enough to not sit back and watch them walk into hell comfortably. If the lifestyle is anti-God, it's anti-God. And you can love them through it and not condone it. But what you can't do is tell them it's okay out of love. That ain't love. That's you making it comfortable for them to walk into hell. You're making it okay for them to live in sin. Right? Look at 1 uh, Corinthians 11.32. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, listen, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. If you love them enough, you'll correct them. I made a post on Facebook before we come in this morning. I'll just go on and admit it. I've been in the wood shop again. I produced some paddles. And I wrote on them with my little router. They say, make kids great again. 
Hey, all of y'all ain't seen them, and I done got as much response out of that post as anything I put on out of my wood shop. People love them. But you know, me and another person had a conversation this morning. It's one thing to get, in them in, get it in your hands. It's a whole other thing for you to use it. Right? It's got to be used. Listen, that's a tool of love. According to Scripture. Because, no, I didn't think so. He's exactly right. Big Daddy said, you didn't think so. I didn't think so. I thought that meant he hated me. And listen to me. Your kids are going to think the same thing. But according to Scripture, a part of love is discipline. What we're trying to do, listen to me. I'm going to sum it all up right here. What we're trying to do as Christians in this world is see as few people as possible experience the wrath of God. Right? That's what we're trying to do. That includes my kids, your kids, my parents, your parents, spouses, loved ones, cousins, friends. As many people as we can see not experience the wrath of God. All that stuff Kevin's been talking about in Revelation, that stuff's real. That's going to happen. People are going to experience the wrath of God at its fullest, listen to me, for eternity. So if you loving them hurts their feelings for a few days, it's worth it. It's worth it. Listen, here's the most important thing when you go about these things is that your heart is in the right place. In other words, you're doing it out of love with the goal of keeping them from experiencing the full wrath of God. If it's to see them tore down, if it's to see how bad you can hurt them, you're not, you're not in the right place, don't do that. Don't do that whatsoever. If you're a little bit happy that it hurt them a little, don't do that. Your heart's not in the right place. You're not ready for that. If you want to see your world changed, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That starts at home. That's in your kids. That's in your spouse. That's in that neighbor. Neighbor encompasses. And you know what? You say, well, you just don't know how my spouse, they're my enemy. Well, the Bible also instructs you to love your enemy. You're never given permission to not love throughout Scripture. Even in God's wrath, it was done out of love. You realize that when He flooded the earth and destroyed everything here except, every, except what was on that boat, that was an act of love. You get that, right? Even His wrath is out of love, but don't be mistaken, His wrath is as real as His love is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. The two greatest. On, on these two things, everything hinges. All the law and all the prophets depend on these two things. If you want to make God happy, put them into practice. Now again, this ain't an act of kindness from time to time. This ain't I'll give it, I gave it my best and it didn't work. No, you, you misunderstood. That ain't the kind of love God shows us. He doesn't give us all He's got for a little while and then go, well, that didn't work. Let's try something else. Right? It's continuous and it's completely sustaining. I promise you, your greatest need as a Christian is not to be loved. God's covered that. Your greatest need is to learn how to love and to show that love to those around you.